Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Mind Love, Episode 7. Today's episode is about activating your inner superpowers. He's got three spirits that are residing full time in his bedroom. One of them is bothering him a lot. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm so excited about today's episode. We have some great stories for you. First, I'm going to apologize about my voice. It's a little extra raspy. I caught a bit of a bug, but we're working through it. The show must go on. Today, I have a guest for you whose stories are straight out of a movie. She's a psychic medium and energy healer, and she spent most of her life helping people develop their own intuition and heal themselves through energy. But wait, it gets better. Her son inherited her psychic gifts as well, but in a different form. If you're a fan of the movie Sixth Sense, you're going to love this episode. So let's get right into it. Three key things you'll learn are how to protect your energy from negative influence, how to access your own intuition or inner knowing for daily guidance, and a few exercises you can do at home to help make your intuition stronger. So without further ado, let's welcome the great psychic medium, Janet Raftis. Janet, let's start with your story. Most of my story is the story of not knowing what the hell was going on. <laughs> like, what is wrong with me? Um, for many years, I was really, um, from the time I was a small child, I could feel what other people were feeling. I could see energy around them. I was very, very sensitive to emotions. And yet, nobody else seemed to be experiencing what I was experiencing. And I also, I could, I could tell when people weren't telling me the truth because... I would feel their anger or their frustration or their sorrow, um, and and yet they would say, you know, oh, everything's great, you know. And so it was a very confusing world for me for most of my life. And um, you know, I experienced some trauma as a teenager, and that in conjunction with my sensitivities really caused me to really shut everything down. And I shut down everything for about 15 years, just really numbed out as as much as I could. Before we go further with your story, are you comfortable going into any of the details about the trauma you experienced during high school? Yeah, um, I've done a lot of healing work with it, but I was raped by um, some classmates of mine. And in, in the time, you know, I went into real denial about it. That was the first thing that happened. Like, I, I didn't even acknowledge that it had happened for a couple of years. I think I told one person. Other than that, you know, there, I, there were some girlfriends of mine who were there that night and who were trying to help me and were not able to. Um, but I never even talked to them about it again. Um, I talked to one friend about it and then I stuffed it away. You know, I really just couldn't even, I couldn't even deal with it. 
and I was completely numbing still. And then when I was in my early 20s, it really started to surface. It started to leak through my numbness, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I was having a lot of issues. I was noticing that I was having a lot of issues in my intimate relationships. And yet I still wasn't ready to deal with it. I, I was able to acknowledge that it had happened at that point, but I was not able to take any steps to do healing for it. Oh, destructive behavior. I know you all too well. It's like that toxic friend that you call when you're lonely and no one else will answer. And then three hours later, you're like, wow, I'm about to have to back this bitch up in a fight in the 7-Eleven parking lot. Why the hell did I call you? But somehow, it's your longest running friendship. So you keep doing it anyways. So when was the turning point for you? When you realized, I've got to get my shit together or this is not going to end well. When I got pregnant, I, you know, I stopped drinking, I stopped smoking, I stopped, every, I mean, I stopped everything from one day to the next. Everything I was doing to numb, I stopped. And what happened was, of course, is I started feeling everything again. And I started feeling everything. And it was really intense. Um, I started feeling all of my emotions. I started feeling all of my repressed, like what had been repressed trauma and I started feeling the emotions of everybody else too. And it was at that point when my son was a year old that I was living in Costa Rica at the time at a very small town there. And I serendipitously came across a Reiki master who was getting ready to teach a Reiki one class. And I, I didn't know anything about it really. I just knew that I had to do it. And so I did it and I learned Reiki and I started practicing Reiki. I started doing a lot of self-healing and then I started working with others. And what happened when I started working with others was that I recognized that I was exhausted all the time. I started to recognize that I was taking on their stuff, that I was carrying their emotions and their, their energies with me beyond the session. And some point in there, which was probably five or six years ago, I came across the word empath. Um, I came across a definition of what an empath is. And I was able to identify, oh, this is what's been going on. And then since then, I've been working with it. An empath is a person who can feel the thoughts, emotions, and energy of other people. And at times, they're influenced by this energy so much that they actually experience what the other person is experiencing. So you can imagine how confusing this could be for, say, a little girl who doesn't realize she has these gifts, and she'll go into a room and suddenly be overcome with sadness and have no idea why. This is something that I can actually relate to on a smaller scale. And it's taken me a long time to realize when it's somebody else's energy that I'm feeling. And something I'm still working on is learning how to send that emotion back to the person and kind of put up my bubble so that it doesn't affect me so deeply. I'm not claiming to be psychic, yet I do believe it's something that you can develop. But there have been so many times in my life where I leave a room feeling a completely different emotion than I felt when I walked into it. But thankfully, in the current day, it's not so strange to be told you're an empath, and there's a lot of support available for those who are. The cool thing is, as we develop and evolve as human beings, I think there's going to be more and more people who unlock this area of the brain that maybe had been dormant before. Just as we've evolved and unlocked greater abilities over all of history. But whether you identify as an empath or not, we're all energetic beings. So even if we're not aware of it, we have the ability to take on the energy of those around us. 
which is another reason why it's so important to choose who you spend your time with wisely. Thankfully, there are tools that will help us protect our own authentic energy rather than being so affected by the energy of those around us. And the first tool starts with awareness, being aware that you may be taking on someone else's energy and learn to send it back where it came from. I call it return to sender. And it's really that ability to recognize, you know, I was feeling this way, something happened, and now I'm feeling this way, and it has nothing to do with me, right? And then that ability to detach and say, like, this isn't mine, and I'm giving it back to whomever it came from, right? You don't even have to know who it came from. You can, it's helpful, like, oh, this was the cashier's, right? I'm sending it back to her, it's not mine. Um, but if you don't know where it came from, you're like, I went to the, I, I always use the grocery store as an example, because I think it's one of the most challenging places on earth for an empath. And, um, you know, you go into the grocery store, you feel great, you're in a good mood, you've been in a good mood all morning, by the time you leave, you're a wreck, you're like upset, you're anxious, you don't know what's going on. And, and typically, it's because a lot of people are in their pain when they're in the grocery store, we have a lot of stuff around food, a lot of emotional baggage around food. And not to mention that if you're highly sensitive, in addition to being empathic, you're sensitive to the fluorescent lighting and to the noises and to the smells. So just that awareness of like, this isn't mine, and sending it back is hugely helpful. So while the first tool had to do with being aware of your own energy, the second tool has to do with bringing your awareness to the body. A body awareness meditation is a little bit more grounding than some other forms of meditation. Because when you're a highly sensitive person or a highly intuitive person or an empath, you spend a lot of time in your head. But if you haven't noticed, most of our problems live in our heads. We're either regretting the past or worrying about the future. But either way, it's like a loop of a really bad song playing over and over and over again in your head. So instead of allowing that song to replay, you bring your focus to the present moment. And one of the best ways to do that is to focus on what you're feeling right here, right now in your body. When we meditate, we're taught, especially when we're, we're learning intuitive development, we're taught to go into the upper chakras. And the energy body of an empath is such that their upper chakras are very top heavy and their lower chakras tend to be very constricted and weak. So it looks to me, the energy body of an empath looks to me like a tornado. And you know how tornadoes, when they're, they're super big up at top and they have that small cone at the bottom, they're very unstable, right? They kind of like sway back and forth a lot. And that's what it's like to be an empath a lot of the time. So when I meditate and when I do any personal energy work or energy work with another person, because I mean, I, I go to healers as well. One of the focuses for me is to make sure that I'm in my lower chakras. I spend a lot of time making sure I'm in my lower chakras, making sure I'm rooted. So before I lose some of you, let's go over what a chakra is. Chakras are basically little energy centers within your body from the base of your spine to the crown of your head. They help to regulate all of your body's processes, from organ function to the immune system to your emotions. Each of your chakras has its own vibrational frequency and basically calls the shots for different functions that help make you human. It's believed that illness can be caused when your chakras are out of balance or blocked, which is why it's really important to make sure that they're in balance so energy can be flowing freely. To lay it out really simply, you can think of your lower chakras as what grounds you, while the upper chakras relate to your higher mental and spiritual side. 
which is why an empath would be in need of some grounding. But really, we could all use a little grounding. It's like the old saying, root down to rise. You can picture a tree. If a tree keeps growing but its roots aren't in very deep, it's just going to fall over. So before we move on to the third tool to help us stabilize or balance our energy, let's walk through a body awareness meditation that you can do at home that'll help you get back to your roots. I actually go down to my feet where my feet are connected to the floor or if I'm sitting um, cross-legged where they're connected to the chair and I'll feel my feet. Like I'll really feel my feet. I'll feel them. I might press them into the floor, press them into the chair. I'll notice them and I'll spend time noticing them. Like this is my feet. This is what they feel like. This is where I'm connected. And I'll notice the way that the air feels around them. And I'll go up my legs. I'll go up my legs feeling them. I'll feel my thighs. I'll come into my butt. I'll feel my butt resting against my seat. I might even press down into my legs a little bit, feeling myself there. And then I'll bring my attention into my root chakra and I'll imagine my root chakra balancing itself and opening and actually feeling myself as I do that, dropping in. And I'll really feel myself like coming fully into my body. The thing with awareness, I mean, energy is so subtle, right? I mean, it is, that's why all of this is called working with subtle energies. I mean, it is so subtle, but if you're paying attention, you notice it. It's just that we're not usually paying attention, right? And we're all intuitive, some of us more than others, but we're all intuitive and we all have the ability to notice these things if we slow down enough to notice them. And so as you start the practice of noticing, you start to notice. And you start to notice more and more. And so as you do it and as you practice it, do this daily to begin with. You know, I used to have to do these things a lot. Now I don't have to do them as much because I've honed this skill. I'm noticing. I'm noticing. Right now, I just went out of my body. Like right now, I just checked out, right? And because I'm so accustomed to noticing, I can bring myself back in. And so it's that that paying attention to yourself and, and cultivating that, that intimate connection with yourself where you notice what you need in each moment. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the morning mind love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help 
on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. Now, the third tool for grounding or balancing your energy is to just go out in nature. When I feel like I'm in my head too much, I like to actually take my shoes off and put my feet in the grass or the sand, depending on where I am. It's important for, for most empaths to spend time outdoors, and especially some of us are um, what has been coined nature empaths. There's different types of empaths, and I'm definitely a nature empath. Like I, Nature is, I'm super connected to it. In the same way that I feel the energy of people, I feel the energy of trees and plants, animals. <laughs> and so for me, being in a park or in a forest is very, very energizing. And it's the best thing I can do to reset my energy. And a lot of times I'll just go to the park and lay on my back with my dog and just lay there and I'll dump all of my excess energy out. I'll just imagine it all draining away. And then I'll fill myself back up with the earth energy and feel myself getting really strong and feeling my root and feeling myself settling back into my body. All these ways that we're learning to protect, stabilize and balance our energy are also the first steps to developing our intuition. And it really comes down to awareness, becoming aware of what might be affecting us from the outside or what's our inner compass guiding our way. Because whether you consider yourself an empath or not, we all have this inner compass. But unfortunately, most of us have lived our lifetimes learning to ignore our inner compass. Initially, my intuition was super strong with other people, but not very strong with me. And this is typical. It's, it's harder to be intuitive with ourselves um, for most of us than it is to pick up things you know, with other people. Because we tend to doubt ourselves and we tend to... We have a lot invested in it, right? We're not, we can't, it's harder to be detached. Like for me, if I have something that I need to decide, so let's say a job opportunity and on paper, the job opportunity looks really, really good, right? You're like, oh my God, it's going to pay this much and this and that and da, 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 da. And so, you know, your head will attach to the information, will mentally attach to the information, even if it's not right. So this job might look really good on paper, but it's not the line of work we want to be doing anymore. Right. But we'll override the feeling in order to attach to the security or what we think we need or what we think we should be doing. We're taught from the time we're very, very young to ignore what we're feeling. You're too sensitive. Don't cry. Buck up. Be strong. No pain, no gains. We were taught to override pain to be the best. It's a competitive society. While a lot of people have lost touch with their intuition on a societal level within their lifetimes, it can go deeper than that. Changes that have been occurring slowly over time for centuries. Maybe it's technology. Maybe it's the busyness of the grind because, you know, every day we're hustling. But before Google Maps, people had to rely largely on their intuition for everything. Hundreds of years ago, people were sailing across the sea, traveling the globe with mostly their intuition. So how do we get back to that? How do we start to discern the difference between our intuition and mental chatter? Because if you're anything like me, you've got a shit ton of mental chatter. You know, learning that skill of, of bringing the question, bringing the issue, the problem, whatever it is, into the body and sitting with it in the body and, and tuning into and learning what your 
body is telling you about it. Our body will tell us. If it's a yes, there's typically some sort of expansion feeling in the body. It could be anything, anywhere from a neutral feeling to an opening. For me, my heart chakra opens. It feels like it feels almost like I'm stretching open and getting bigger and expansive and my shoulders go back. I might smile. Um, that's my yes. And, and if it's a no, I get a constricted feeling in my heart chakra. Like it feels like a, like a little fist in there and I, I get really uncomfortable. Other people feel it in their gut. Some people feel it in their shoulders. Some people feel it in their arms. Everybody's different. So it's important to take time to tune in to what it feels in your body. So you can start by knowing, doing things that you know are a yes. Like, um, if you love spending time with your partner and you love going hiking, then sit and, and, and bring into your body awareness, going hiking with your partner and see how that feels to you. It's going to feel great. It's going to give you your yes answer. And then choose something that you know is a no. I really dislike going to the grocery store on Sunday mornings, right? Put, bring into your awareness going to the grocery store on Sunday morning and see how that feels in your body. So give yourself um, time to practice with it and tune into how does this feel to me? Is this a yes or is this a no? With things that you know, that you're familiar with, so that when you get to the harder decisions, you have this discernment process, you have an understanding of it already. The more I learn about health in general, the more I learn the importance of listening to the body. But I heard somewhere that listening to the body can be kind of like listening to a pin drop in Niagara Falls, which is why it's so important to go inward and learn to listen to ourselves and learn to be still and be quiet, and maybe to connect to our own psychic senses. And the first step is learning what those psychic senses are, because you may have a more natural ability with one than the other. There are quite a few psychic senses. Um, the most famous, so, so to speak, is clairvoyance. Most people know what a clairvoyant is, but a clairvoyant is somebody who can see things psychically. And clair, the, the prefix for all of these words, really just means clear, right? So if I say clairvoyance, I'm saying clear seeing. There's also claircognizance, which is clear knowing. And that is um, a knowingness. And I think a lot of people are claircognizant. It's hard to recognize because it tends to come through as wisdom. But I think a lot of times when we just have the answer and we don't know how we got the answer or where it came from, like all of a sudden we're like, God, I sound smart. <laughs> that a lot of times is claircognizance. You know, like I was one of those people, like even in times when my life was kind of falling apart, people would come to me for advice all the time. Even before I was a healer, people would came, come to me for advice and they would tell me, God, you're so wise. And I thought, then why is my world falling apart? But that was my intuition. Like I recognized even then there was something operating, even though I didn't know what it was. So I think claircognizance is very, very common. There's also clairaudience, which is clear hearing. Clairaudience and clairvoyance can be either internal or external. So the movie Sixth Sense had a little boy who was clairvoyant because he could see dead people. But what's more common is when you have visions internally, like a vision pops into your head that might be a prediction of the future or something that's happening somewhere else. While clairaudience can be either a voice that you hear externally or it can be internal and sound like your own voice, like a thought just popped into your head. But typically, if you hear something, even if you're hearing it in your own mind's voice, you might recognize that you're hearing words you wouldn't say or intonation that you wouldn't use um, or something like that. 
There's also clairsentience, which is clear feeling. Clairsentience is similar to empathy, a little bit different. People who are clairsentient tend to feel the aches and pains of other people. So um, if you're working with somebody who has a bad knee, you might experience the pain in your knee as well. Or you might feel something external as well. Like um, my son is highly clairsentient um, in in the external way in that um, he he attracts a lot of earthbound spirits to him and, and they'll like come up and touch him, you know, and he's had the experience of like being touched on the shoulder or somebody leaning over him and, and he's actually feeling them there. And then there is Claire Alliance, which is psychic smelling. This is also actually really common. Most people have had some experience where they've smelled something that they, that wasn't there. A lot of times our, our loved ones who have crossed over, come to us with smells because it's very recognizable. Be like, I smell grandma's perfume or I smell grandpa's cigar or whatever it might be. I smell Aunt Bee's apple pie. And then the last one is Claire Gustance. And Claire Gustance is psychic tasting. So you might actually taste something in your mouth. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 
I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I want to talk about your son for a second. Whereas you grew up wondering what the hell was wrong with you, your son's going to have a completely different experience because he's going to have a kind of psychic mentor in his own mom. When did you first recognize that your son had psychic gifts? So it's interesting. I noticed that he was in tune with his gifts before he would have even had an awareness that that's what it was. And that was when he was... I had just started learning Reiki. So he was maybe 14 months old at the time. And um, I was really sick. I was, I had like the flu or something. So I was in bed and um, my ex-husband was taking care of him downstairs. And um, at some point in the day, I was, you know, lying under the covers. I was completely covered. I mean, I had the covers over my head. I was under the covers um, giving myself Reiki and Jake ran up the stairs and came into the room and he opened the door and he said, mama doing Reiki. (laughs) He couldn't even see me. I don't know that I'd even discussed. I mean, he was 14 months old. You know what I mean? And he knew what was going on when he walked in the room. Um, so that was when I was aware that he was, you know, and I think most children are the difference in our household was that I saw it and I was like, he's sensitive. And so we worked with it. But I would say, you know, we had some other instances like that. But when it really kicked in was when he was about nine. Warning, my friends, because this is where it gets crazy. We live in a part of Atlanta that is pretty old for the States. I mean, this, this area was built up in the early 1900s. Most of the homes here were built in the early 1900s. And it's also an area where the Civil War was fought. There are a lot of old battle grounds in this area. So this area is rich in earthbound spirits. (laughs) They're everywhere. And Jake, my son, happens to be very, very connected to that realm. They see his light and they love him. And so we were, and and, and so when he was about nine, he really, I, I guess he had an expansion and we happened to move into a home at that time that had a lot of earthbound activity. And so they started coming and they started coming. And, and at first I really didn't know what to do. This was a huge learning curve for me. I do house clearings and stuff now, but the reason I do house clearings now is because I learned all of this because we, I had to, because we were getting like an infestation. So we were living in that house and eventually it was just too much. The dog wouldn't even leave the house because she was worried about, she's like, why, why am I leaving the house when there are all these people in here? right? She couldn't figure out why I would want her to not be in there protecting us and protecting the house when there were all these strangers in it. So it just got so bad. There was like a portal there. And so it got so bad that I was like, okay, we have to move. So we moved to another house. And at the time I was kind of naive. I was like, 
we'll move and it'll be fine. Not realizing that it was Jake, right, that was attracting him. So we moved to this other house. And within a few months, it really starts picking up. He's got three spirits that are residing full time in his bedroom. One of them is bothering him a lot. And as I start trying to figure out how to deal with them, they just start coming more and more and more and more. And, and really, I mean, it was almost like, imagine like if you've ever seen The Walking Dead, right? Where all the, all the zombies are like walking into the wall, right? And they're just piling up on each other. That's what it felt like in our yard. Like I'd put all this protection around the house, but they were all in the yard trying to get in. And I had to learn so much. I mean, this sounds kind of crazy, but I had to learn so much in order to clear the property. I had to teach Jake how to cross people over. I had to teach him how to have energetic boundaries with the spirits because you have to have boundaries with the spirit world just like you do with the, with the physical world. I had to teach him how to manage all of that and I had to learn how to manage all of that to where now our house is like, nothing can get in without our, you know, without our express permission. But that was when it was, you know, and, and now things are calm. I mean. You know, my son will still see a random spirit here or there, but they're not all over us, so to speak. And things have calmed down pretty, pretty considerably. And he's, you know, he's a teenager now and he's not, you know, his gifts are kind of like, they're still there. He still has them, but he's doing teenager stuff, you know, so it's it's a, you know, he's just trying to live his life. Wow. So being the kid that sees or or feels rather that feels dead people must have been weird. Did his friends know about it or do they now? Yeah, some of them do. Some of them do. So that was a whole nother thing, too, of like him learning, like how to talk with people about it and how to like who to trust with the information. I mean, he told one of his teachers about it, which was huge. And she actually ended up eventually being a client of mine, which was awesome. But, um, you know, it was, uh, it was really good for him to have the experience for those reasons as well. And I think, you know, you know, even at times when he's like, you know, in the past, he was like, "Eh, my mom's kind of weird, you know, but because he experiences it as well, he understands it. And I think he's also able to be supportive of others who have had experiences too, who don't quite, who don't have the same environment that he does. So I know that he's had some friends who have been like, oh my God, like I've seen something and they haven't felt like it was safe to tell anyone about it. So that's really powerful as well, that he can be that person to them. For most of us, being the house swarmed with dead people would be something straight out of a horror movie. I would be terrified. What were some of your tips for moving from a place of fear into a place of power? Yeah, so having boundaries is is huge. Um, I think that that was the biggest thing for me and for Jake um, in that experience. Um, but in in general, when we're talking about intuition, the more embodied that you can that you can be, the more empowered you are, and the tendency is for us to feel so much that it feels uncomfortable to be in our body. And so we energetically leave our body. We, we, and it's not so much disassociation, but in a way it is, it's like, we're not fully present. Right. And so what happens when we come into our body is that we realize that we are very active, conscious co-creators and we feel safe because if we're not in our bodies, it's virtually impossible to feel safe. When we are actually in our bodies, we can feel safe. 
And when we feel safe, we feel empowered. So that's the biggest piece. And for me, it came through emotional healing. I had to deal with my trauma and I had to deal with the emotions that I had held in as a result of it, as well as, as well as, you know, the other repressed emotions I have. I mean, I think most of us have some repressed emotions from childhood. I had to, I had to feel those. I had to feel them. I had to express them. I had to release them from my physical expression. Um, and when they moved through me, I felt safe. I felt like I had, I, I could assert my boundaries. I felt like I could take care of myself. I felt like I could be my own, my own guardian. I can do this. I'm here. I'm present. I'm in my body. I've got this. That was when everything shifted for me too, by the way. That was when my finances shifted. That's when my relationship patterns shifted. That's when my intimacy pattern shifted. That was when everything shifted for me was after I did emotional healing. We've talked a lot about protecting our own bubble of energy, but with the rise of social media and the connectedness of everyone through the internet, and really the ability of anyone anywhere to splatter their emotions and their upset all over the internet, what are some of your tips for guarding your emotions in the age of social media without disconnecting altogether? So there's a couple of things I recommend. One is that you do it very intentionally. It's really easy to, to mindlessly scroll on social media, right? So the first step is to bring a lot of awareness to it. Before you log on, take a few, moment, a few minutes to breathe, to get into your body, to set your intentions for social media. And if you need to initially set a timer, I'm going to be on for 15 minutes and see how that 15 minutes feels. Now, while you're on it, I also recommend curating your experience. I mean, unfollow people who consistently post things that don't feel good to you. If you are, and, and I know we all, I mean, I'm so sensitive to animals too, but I had to stop clicking on the animal videos. I donate money to the Humane Society and other animal rescue organizations. You know, when this whole thing came up about potentially lifting the band on elephant tusks, I sent money. That felt empowering to me, right? And that is the way that I deal with that energy. And as a result, I will not click on all of those things that are really, really energetically intense for me. And then the other thing I do is I, I, I have like really curated my social media experience to where, and it takes time initially, this feels good to me, this doesn't, I'm not clicking on it or I'm unfollowing, right? I have a place that I go. I have one place that I go for my news pretty much. Um, and I go there. I get my news when I need my news, like, because we want to be informed too, right? We, it's important to know what's going on in the world right now. But I'm very organized in how I receive my information. So as I'm scrolling through Facebook, if it's not a time that I feel strong enough, re um, refreshed enough, rested enough, <laughs> sated enough, I don't click on the news stuff, right? I'll wait and go to it later from the source that I trust. So really for me, it was this process of being very intentional in my social media experience and setting time limits initially, especially when it's, I mean, there are days now when it's really bad, right? When you just know, oh my God, I see that these things have happened and it's going to be heavy on social media today. I am on social media less now. And I'm more intentional when I am on it. Okay, so once we get the hang of protecting our energy from outside influence, how do we then start to 
develop our own psychic abilities or access our intuition even further? So I would say that the, the, the tool that we discussed before about tuning in to your body is hands down the most important, in my opinion, tool that you can have for developing your intuition. Every other intuitive sense will feel safer and more comfortable and more available for use if you have the inner knowing aspect honed. So for instance, no matter what, let's say that, I mean, clairvoyance, let's use that as an example. Clairvoyance can be very unsettling if just out of the nowhere you get this vision of something and it's like, I mean, it could be anything, right? Let's say that you get a vision that's disturbing to you though. And you can actually, you can work with your intuition and your guides to, to hone what your intuitive experience. But let's say you don't know if it's real or not. You can always come back to that body awareness of like, was that fear or worry? Is this a worry thing that's playing out in my head or is it real, right? So having that tool of how does this feel to me? Does this feel right? Is this true? Is for me the cornerstone of my intuition. I use it all the time. It is my fact checker, so to speak. So even if I'm doing a reading for someone else and I get some information that comes in, I'm always constantly using my body as a gauge to let me know this feels right, this feels right, this feels right. Uh, there's something here, I need to go into this a little bit more. There's something that's a little bit off or I need to explore it more, whatever it is. I use it as, as my GPS, as my inner guidance system. When you get to that place of trusting your inner knowing, the rest of intuition will feel safer to you. It will feel more accessible to you. It will be able to blossom in a way that feels empowering versus overwhelming. Jana is very generously offering a free gift to Mind Love listeners today, which I'll link to in the show notes at mindlove.com slash 007. Janet, will you tell us a little bit about the gift that you're offering? Yes, um, absolutely. So um, it is a um, healing meditation. It's a guided healing meditation. It's 30 minutes long. And it is part of a weekly membership program that I do. And it's amazing because it's a weekly get your energy, body, reset, honed, toned. <laughs> and then in addition to all of that, balancing all of the chakras, we also have a focus every week. So the one that I'm sharing with everybody, and it's totally free, but it is a healing meditation that has as the focus prosperity and the laws of reciprocity. So in addition to general clearing, energizing, and balancing, we focus on receiving and giving and expanding our capacity to receive from spirit, which in turn expands our capacity to give. I feel like I'm going to go back and listen to this episode over and over again with a bag of popcorn. Seriously, better than TV. To find out more about Janet and her services, go to mindlove.com slash 007, which will link to her website, janetraftis.com. I highly recommend that you go there. She has everything from blog posts to videos that dive further into these topics. She also has the membership program she talked about, and she even does classes and retreats. If you loved this episode, please leave me a review. Reviews are what helps this podcast grow the most. And to be honest, I love reading them. It's so satisfying to be able to connect with my listeners and see what they think. If you have any questions, suggestions, or topics you want to explore, 
or if you just want to say hello, send me an email or tweet at me at mindlovemelissa. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 